It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Ah, yes, all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. We chat to Mal Meninga every single Wednesday. Head into Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day, though. Mal, good morning. Uh, As a coach, do you like what you hear from Chris Fagan? He's talking up his team. He's talking up the, well, the expectation. Does that bring an expectation of pressure, though? Oh, hello, Mal. I'm just depending on what they're saying you there, mate. Yeah, gotcha. I've got you now. There we go. <laughs> Hello. The pressure of technology making it work. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Mal, we've got you. We can hear you loud and clear. Oh, God, what's going on? I don't know. Oh. No, I got your question. I got your question, Ben. Yep. No, I got your question. Uh, it all depends on on the, the attitude and the conversations that's happening internally, you know. So, I mean, obviously, Chris has put up put a, um, a high mark, a standard that they've set themselves, a goal they've set themselves, and they're working towards that. So um, sometimes it's okay to, to um, announce that publicly, and it's depend on, obviously, the players understand um, that's their mark, and they're, they're waiting, ready to, to achieve it. All right. In the NRL world, mate, who is under the most pressure this week, in your mind? Well, the bottom four. There's no doubt. There's bottom four, and then I'm... Had a good think about this, Ben. I'm, I reckon the home teams, you know. So, uh, bottom four, it's uh, elimination finals. Um, the bot, the home teams obviously will go into those games favourite. Then you look inside the teams, and I think you know the obviously the coach and their preparation um, up to the game is extremely important. And then the key guys within that team are really important. With the Sharks, it'd be obviously Nico Hines. Um, he's out to prove himself after. They went out the back door straight away last year. And then I think there'll be a lot of a lot of question marks and a lot of obvious um, attention on Kalen Ponga and how he comes through off the back of his obviously his, his, his uh, shoulder injury and how he plays. I think it's going to be a really important um, moment on how they control that pain in his shoulder um, throughout the game. Yeah, no pressure on the Newcastle doctor to get it right either. Then with that, <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, <laughs> that well, we can, so we can talk about it. that's that's very important, isn't it? You know, so um, I, I remember, you know, when I was um, you know, I was playing, and you know, you you probably needed injections at this time of year anyway, just to get you through games. I had a I had a kneecap injury, I wore a cracked kneecap, and um, what what happened through the week? They they injected it just to make sure that there was it was painless. You know, when I actually trained. Um, and I got through that can. I was, you know, obviously after the aftermath was terrible, and then the pain through the next few days was 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 atrocious. But then, I, but I also knew mentally that, you know, the injection would work. So I, well, I would imagine that Carl would be going through that, that a similar process. 
All, all right, Mel. Well, let's because I reckon you've named about four different types of pressure there, which is again, you know, no, no, no. But but it, it's the pressure on the individual if you're carrying an injury. It's a it's a pressure on an individual who wants to perform better than they did last year. It's the pressure of expectation on the home teams or the minor premiers uh, and those who are favourites. So let, let's go back and continue on that Kalen Ponga line or a player playing with injury, knowing that that at any time th- this could give out? What is that type of pressure on the individual? Well, it's um, how games, you know, played by, you know, tough people who um, don't mind playing under an injury crowd, uh, cloud. I think, you know, game one of the year is probably the only time you go into a game of rugby league where you're not carrying a, some sort of injury, uh, whether it be minor or or some injury that you've probably got to carry for a number of weeks. So it just becomes a, it becomes a psychological strength, you know, mental strength around the around the player themselves and how they manage through the week, of course, you know, how they um, train and prepare. And I remember Terry Lamb, um, there's a, obviously a really good story around him in 95 where he couldn't train at all. He just, he went for a run. Uh, the night before a game that sort of got him mentally prepared for it all, and he went and played. You know, he just got an injection, and, and away he went again. You know, so it's that type of individual pressure that tests your fortitude, your mental strength. I think it's more than anything else. You know, so um, that's why I mentioned my story is that yeah. you know, I had a injection through the week to get myself mentally prepared. And understand that with an injection, I was fine to play, you know. So those sort of things come into play. Um, players play with injuries every week. Um, the, obviously, Kalen's injury is, is not a, a minor one. It's a major one. And you know, he plays fullback, and he'll be put under a lot of pressure um, by the, the, the Raiders' kicking game, obviously, and by their defence, they'll rough him up a fair bit. So all those sort of things come into you know, into your thinking as a player, um, but you've got to prepare yourself to back, accept that because that's what's going to happen and you just get on with the game. And he's such an important cog in the Newcastle's wheel that, you know, he can't he can't let on that he's hurt. He can't let on no. that he's struggling, you know. So uh, he's their captain as well. So he's out there you know, leading the troops. So he's got to lead by example as well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, tough, it's a tough game, um, but, you know, played by, you know, tough people who... You know, understand that it's part of the, it's part and parcel of the game. All right, so you're you're the Raiders. Uh, you're Ricky Stewart. You're just directing every single kick to go to the fullback. Don't worry about kicking for the corners. Don't worry about kicking to the wingers. Just be kicking it to Carlin Ponger and put him under as much pressure and and run as much traffic as him at him as possible. Well, that's what I'd be doing. I mean, I'd, I'd be kicking to to Greg Marzu as well. You know, I'm, and I haven't talked to to Ricky this week because Greg's been a a bit iffy under pressure, you know, the high ball and stuff. So I'll be kicking. I'll be, I'll be sort of working that side with our kicking game. Uh, but certainly our, our kick chase, you know, pressure would be, you know, really concerted on when Carlin's got the football. And if it, if one of the wingers take the first ruck, it's generally the, the fullback and Carlin doesn't mind getting involved from a, a running point of view, you know, in yardage sets, as we call it. Um, so, yeah, I'll be, I'll be trying to get into him as, as much as we possibly can. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. If you want part of the conversation, if you have a question to Mal Meninga, Mal, my next question to you is the pressure of, well, you mentioned the home finalists. So the Broncos yeah. and, and, and Penrith, Penrith come with that minor premiership as well, that, that expectation to succeed. 
The Broncos have a, a different type of pressure. Yes, they're playing at home, but they're trying to crack a hoodoo. They're trying to yeah. beat a team that that they haven't beaten in the best part of a decade, seven years. They haven't beaten at home since 2009. They haven't beaten in the finals since Webke and Lockyer lifted the trophy in 06. Yeah, well, a, a lot of lot of factors there. Um, certainly against, you know, if you're reading that all the time and people are telling you that all the time, you start believing it, you know. The Broncos have got a young side, brash, brash side that loves playing rugby league and not, too intimidated by who they play against. They've got the wily Adam Reynolds uh, there with you know Kurt Capewell and all those all those older players who been there done that before. Um, but it's it's just in the back of your mind because it's a constant. You know, we're, talk, we're talking about it. You know they were going to read it. Um, you know people in conversation with them. They say, well, how are you going to go against the Storm this week because you haven't beaten them in 15 games or whatever the case may be. You know, so it is. It's a again, it's a psychological battle. Um, but the best way to do that is go and do it, you know. So um, the Broncos are, you know, they they're playing really good football. They're one of the favourites to win the competition. There's no doubt about that. They're under they're not under too much pressure this weekend, you know. They just need to go out there, and enjoy themselves, enjoy the experience, enjoy the experience of a home crowd. You know, it's going to be a big crowd against a you know formidable team as well. So they're out there testing themselves. Um, this week's not so much for the top four, Ben. I reckon. Um, because they're getting a second chance. Uh, they'll get another opportunity um, to play if they do fall this weekend. Um, I'm saying, well, the, the teams under pressure are going to be obviously the bottom four. Mm. Um, the Sharks at home, um, there's a lot being said about them this week, but they're very they're a formidable side at home. So they're under pressure to come out and perform in front of their home fans. And the same with the Knights. You know, it's a solid sellout stadium once again. Um, they're under pressure uh, with a couple of players that are questionable, you know, with, with their, their injuries. So um, the least pressure this week, I reckon, is, is on the Roosters and the Raiders, to be honest with you. I just think they just need to go out there and just play footy, have fun, and see what happens. Mal, Cam has sent a text in saying, I reckon, well, just on the Raiders, I reckon under most pressure this week, the microphone when Ricky Stewart steps in front of it after a match. So, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> but well, no, you know, no pressure so, on Ricky. <laughs> well, there's not, I don't, I don't think, you know, like, there's no, I mean, there's a top eight, so mm. they've all made the, the final. So they've had a successful year. I mean, the Raiders haven't won too many games in recent months basically but done enough to get there you know so um that's that's what that's the first goal for all teams in the competition is to make the top eight um if you can if you're good enough you're going to make the top four so they've already achieved that you know so i say well that's a pretty that's a pretty reasonable successful year Mm. um now it's a new ball game but they all talk about it but it is it's a new ball game um everyone's they'd actually get mentally and physically refreshed because they've got rid of the grind of the domestic season. Now it's just game by game, um, concentrating, you know, coming out and playing your best footy at the right time of the year, which every player aspires to. So I don't think there's any pressure on Ricky or the or the Raiders. If they lose on the weekend, I still think they've had a successful year um, beaten, and probably beaten by a better team on the day if that happens. Mel, let me spin it around as far as the Broncos' storm are concerned because I want to get into the game. That, that, that to me, is the biggest final of, of the weekend on, on Friday night uh, for so many reasons, so many factors, just the fact that they're two powerhouse clubs. But 
the Melbourne Storm, the, the fact that they've got, well, I mean, they're expected to win, right? They, they've got the wood on them. They've got the hoodoo. They've got the whatever you want to call it, the bogey side. But um, you were a bogey side when you were playing for Canberra for, um, well, for a host of teams, uh, the Dragons being one of them. Was there that pressure to actually live up to that expectation to get the job done? Did that ever and would that ever enter into Melbourne's mind or your mind when you were playing? No, not really. No, not really. It's just the way it all, <laughs> just cash way it it all panned out. <laughs> well, you just cash in. Yeah, you just, you just, it's, it's funny how it all works. It's, it's nothing to do with you as a, as a, as a team going to play, you know, against you know, a team that you've got the wood on. Right. Um, it's never, you never really think about that. It's, it's the opposition team that has to get all the, the bugs out of their system, you know? So like I said before, it's, it, it is, it is a psychological thing because, if you start believing what everyone's been saying, you start believing what history tells you, uh, all of a sudden you get this defeatist attitude towards things. And um, when things start going awry in a game, well, then you start, oh, here we go again. Oh, God, they got the wood on us. So it's all this negative negative uh, feelings, and you get that negativity from the way you think, you know, through the week and your preparation. So, and, you know, I think the Broncos, you know, they – they didn't have any of their hardly well. They didn't have any, most of their good players last week. I just feel that um, the players come back into the side um, with a carefree type of way of playing. The Reese Walshers, in particular, the Stags and the Farnsworths, you know, the Cobos. Yeah. I, I just think you know Ezra Mams. You know, so I just think that that won't worry him too much. You know, so uh, I think it'd be one hell of a game because I don't think they'll worry about the bogey. Melbourne certainly won't. They'll be well prepared under Craig Bellamy, who've done it, who's done it so many times. So, and yeah, you know, their team will be, you know, they'll come here rare, raring to go, and just to prove a point, you know, around that they deserve to be in the top four. They deserve to be to beat Brisbane um, at Suncorp you know, for the second week in a row, you know. So all those sort of motivations come into into play, but it's nothing to do about about what the bogey, the bogey or the bogey man says. <laughs> who wins it then, Mel? I think the Broncos at home. Yeah, I do, honestly do. I just think that them and Penrith are the one and two for a particular reason. They've been the most consistent all year. Um, they're all fresh, ready to go. Uh, everyone's playing. Pappenhausen's playing for Storm, obviously, which is yep. great news for them. Um, yeah, I think it'd be one hell of a game. We're fairly entertaining. And, you know, I just feel that the, the Broncos, I think the thing that they've realised through the year, and I, I reckon when they played the Roosters at the Gabba, when they had a really good win against them, their physicality was excellent. And I think they'll come with that type of attitude again, particularly through the middle. If they're aggressive and they're physical against the Storm, but because they've got a pretty good middle as well, their forward pack. Um, and your forward packs sort of, if they can get on top of Storm's forward pack, well, then you nullify the Jerome Hughes and the Cameron Munsters you know, in their team. So I just feel that with that physicality, um, that young, brash outlook on the way they want to play, I feel that that the, the Broncos will you know, prevail. Mal Meninga, my guests, every Wednesday, all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Mal, your attention not only on the finals this weekend, but those who aren't playing finals because you've got an Australian squad to pick, or at least a Prime Minister's 13. When do you start doing that? When do you have to name one? And and who is on your radar at the moment? 
Uh, well, we're currently communicating with teams at the moment around who's available, first and foremost. Obviously, this time of year, um, there's a lot of injuries off the back of World Cup last year as well. So it's, it's been such a long year. So we're just communicating with clubs at the moment about who is available. Um, we've sent the clubs you know, particular names that, that will be considered, and then uh, we'll get that feedback hopefully soon and then we'll probably we'll, we're definitely picking the the pm's team next week uh to go up to Papua New guinea on the third week of september so they're playing on the 23rd we are so yeah that so that's all in operation at the moment mate so yeah we're just communicating with the clubs at the moment uh anyone who can give us a sneak peek that's on your radar that you've reached out to Oh, well, the bottom, the bottom nine uh, clubs, obviously, you know. We're, we're, I know, anyone stage. within those clubs. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, well, I'm, 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 a, I'm a loyalist in a way, you know. Yeah. We had a highly successful you know, World Cup last year. So, the, you know, the players that are in the bottom nine, are, uh, they'll, they'll be certainly considered and they'll be in the, the train-on squad. You know, people like, you know, obviously Tino, Basula Marley down the, down the yeah. coast, John Oda, you know, Josh Odo-Carr. Um, you know, Benny Hunt, you know, yeah. Cherry Evans, obviously, yeah. Jackie Dvojevic, all those sort of guys. I know. It's the ones that um, don't fall under that. You know you know where I'm going, Mal. Is, no, it, well, is, it, is there a smoky? No, yeah. no, there's no smokies. No, there, won't, there won't be any smokies, in my opinion, you know, for the kangaroos, but I'm just one of a few, you know, selectors. So, But I, I'm, I'm of the view that those players that played in the World Cup last year and they're still playing really well, um, they should get... Uh, first consideration in my that's just my opinion but yep. you know we'll see what happens mate before we let you go we're, we're nearly up for time the, 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 a question that I'm asking this morning is, is outside of footy this is and I know you're big on this uh, I'm, I'm asking should it be up to governments to fund sport in this country it's a very wide reaching question uh, and the reason yeah. I ask is for, is for a number uh, of reasons but what role does the government play? And I want to put this one to you as well. It's a double-barreled question. We just spoke to Rachel Condos-Fields last hour. She is part of an organisation called The Waddle Nest, who is trying to help that link between athletes, elite athletes, in that Olympic and Paralympic space, help them with funding, help them connect with the corporate world to, to get them through. She put out a proposal that for all professional athletes earning over $250,000 a year, $1,000 from one of those athletes' paychecks goes to into funding the elite level of sports who, who aren't professionals. Uh, one, I know that's just thrown at you. Is that an idea, a concept that has legs, but also where does sports funding sit in your mind and the role and responsibility of government? Uh, I think the role and responsibility of government is um, to, as a whole, there's a whole heap of, sh of um, shareholders and all this, and I believe. I think it's health, education, yep. and sport play a really important role in the mental health and physical health of, of all our children. So I believe I believe that all that money should go to those areas. And I just think that um, you know, sport, education, and health should jump in a room and work their way out about how they can combine all their resources, all their financial resources, uh, to get you know, to get kids. Um, active again, but also get kids, you know, from a mental health point of view, get to you know find solutions for those young kids. Um, I'm not quite sure about a thousand dollars to if you earn over two hundred and fifty thousand. And the only reason I say that is because how much is that? How's that? How much does that provide to other 
other professional sports who don't get an income, any, any income or salary from their respective organisations. I'm not quite sure what that would achieve. So if it, if it covered, um, I mean, I'd certainly, if I, if I was playing, uh, I'd certainly donate $1,000 back to um, an, an organisation that yeah. distributes it fairly. And, and it's more, yeah, and I think money. the onus was on the like the, the governing bodies, the NRLs or, or maybe even the sporting club itself, which, I mean, we know are funded by the governing bodies, whether that comes into uh, a consideration because um, in its... It's off the back of the Australian Sports Federation report where we, we find that, you know, nearly half of our elite athletes who represent Australia in a wide cross-section of sports are, are living below the yep. poverty line. Yep. Um, so, like I said, I've, I've got no, no issues with yeah. it all. So I'm just what – what I need to understand is that where that money, where that money goes to yeah. – and how that how it is distributed. Distributed. Yep. No, that's and who, true. And, and who get who and who gets it? You know who gets it? You know. So I just think that I'd have no problems as a professional athlete to donate a thousand dollars to what I think is a really worthy cause. Um, yeah. Uh, but I just you just need to understand a bit more about you know how it is distributed and to who, who it goes to. It's a fair shout, Mel. Thank you because it was a question without notice, something that just popped up in the last half hour on the program. Mate, appreciate your time. We'll look forward to the throwdown tomorrow from midday. Mel Meninga on a Wednesday, all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Rush into Chemist Warehouse today for half-price vitamins and cosmetics. I know it's on Mel's shopping list. T's and C's apply 26 minutes past 10.